Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. So last week, we talked about cloning your favorite herbaceous garden plants through the taking of cuttings um, and then rooting those in order to be able to propagate plants that were an exact duplicate of the plants that have done very well for you in your garden this year and being able to overwinter them at a much smaller size. And generally, we're talking about doing this because most of us do not have the space or the conditions to be able to dig up a huge plant out of our garden and bring it into an indoor space or to a protected area that is going to receive enough light over the winter time and also you know the proper amount of heat etc to continue to produce for us so cloning is a great way to do that. Take some cuttings, let them root. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, I encourage you to go back and do so. But what if you do have space for some larger plants? Is there a way that you can either dig up some of the plants that have done very well for you in the garden um, or the ones that you have that are in containers and bring them into a protected location and keep them at a larger scale and then bring them back out in the spring to replant and sort of let them start all over again? The short answer to that is yes. The long answer is obviously probably a little bit more complicated, which is what we're going to get into on this episode. And I'm going to talk about a technique that is fairly new to me that am I am going to be attempting to do over the winter and a little bit of a challenge for you at the end of this episode. So let's dig in, shall we? Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. So before we start talking about the how of overwintering any of your garden plants, I think we have to talk about the why. Before you decide to try this, you have to decide why it is that you want to overwinter a particular plant. And you have to decide what plants it is that you want to try to overwinter. Now, in this instance, the what, um, as in what plants are you going to bring in, I don't necessarily recommend uh, doing this with anything that is a fast-growing, short-lived summer annual. So things like zucchini or cucumbers that Um, grow fairly quickly in the summertime and that just really don't seem to hang on that long throughout the season um, or senesce really early in the season are not really good candidates for this, for overwintering. Um, You can grow them indoors, and this is not going to be an episode that focuses on actual indoor growing, but I do have um, an episode coming up that focuses specifically specifically on growing indoors. So we will touch on that later on, I promise. But things that are a better option for overwintering, usually things in the Solanaceae family or the nightshade family, that's going to be tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, those types of herbaceous annuals that are long-lived. Because if you are in a temperate climate, 
um, you will have seen that you can actually grow those plants outdoors pretty much year round. If you're in a warm climate, you know, you've got tomatoes that will stay outside pretty much the whole year. Um, and they may go dormant for a little bit. And that's actually one of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode, the difference between actually growing and actually letting them go dormant. So that's where the, the why comes in. Why are you bringing the plant indoors? Is it because it has produced really, really well for you this year and you want to keep that growth going and therefore you want to bring it in and get yourself an earlier start the next season? Um, or is it a special variety that maybe um, has a particularly strong trait that you really like? Did it taste better than the rest of its brethren? Um, did it yield really, really well for you? Um, was it a, a hot pepper that was even hotter than you expected it to be and you like that and you want to keep that going? Um, those are some reasons why you might want to bring a plant into overwinter. Or is it that you would like for it to continue to produce for you during the off season? You know, is it a, a, a nice spicy little pepper that you've really been enjoying in your salsas and you want to bring that in and kind of continue that growth in the off season? Making that decision now is going to make a de determination as to how you treat that plant when you bring it in. So, deciding which plants that you want to bring in and why you want to bring them in is going to be key here. So let's start with the plants that you want to overwinter in order to continue production. Now, this is going to be a little bit different than what I will talk about in a later episode with regards to growing indoors, because you're actually just started these plants outdoors. They've been growing outdoors. Now you're just sort of bringing them in to see if you can try to continue that growth. This is going to require you to have an area that is specifically set up for the ideal conditions that that plant needs. So if you're talking about uh, a tomato plant, it's going to need a specific amount of heat, a specific amount of light, a specific amount of water. And these conditions are going to need to mimic the conditions that they would have had outside. Do you have enough room for that? Do you have enough lights for that? Do you have a space in your house or in a greenhouse or in a basement or someplace that is going to be warm enough for this? Those are all considerations. If you do, and you do want to attempt to bring in some of these plants to continue growing and actively harvesting off of them throughout the winter, this is what you do. So let's just use a tomato plant for an example here, um, although this is going to apply to pretty much any of these um, plants that you're going to want to grow, uh, bring in and actively grow throughout the, the wintertime. Um, you're going to want to pick the smallest specimen that you have, right? So you're not going to try to pick the giant indeterminate beefsteak tomato that has been growing all season long in your garden and then try to dig that up and put it into a pot and bring it in. You certainly can try. And if you do want to try, then I would recommend um, heavily pruning that plant way back earlier on in the season. Obviously, you know, if you're listening to this in real time, it's a little bit too late for that right now. But, you know, you would you would prune it back um, quite heavily and then dig it up and let it get into a, a pot and get it reestablished into a pot and begin its growth pattern again before you would bring it in. Um, ideally, you're going to be doing this, though, with uh, a tomato plant that has already been in a pot for a while and preferably, you know, smaller varieties of tomatoes, either um, cherry tomatoes 
or those that are really meant for containers, uh, Florida Petite or Red Robins. Um, there's also ones that do really, really well in um, hanging baskets. So you're mostly looking at cherry tomatoes at that point, but you can get some small bush varieties of tomatoes that are really good for growing indoors as well. One of the things that you really need to pay attention to, though, when you are bringing any plant in from the garden indoors, whether it's going into a greenhouse or if it's going into your house or a garage or a basement, is to watch for insect pests. So if uh, if you have a plant that has been in a pot all season long, and even if you have not seen any evidence of any type of buggies on it, um, it doesn't mean that there hasn't been something laying eggs in that soil. And you sure as heck do not want to be bringing that into your house and having them in a nice, cozy, warm environment all winter and then suddenly hatch and be everywhere in, uh, in wherever it is that you're keeping your plants. So if you can get yourself some neem oil um, or make yourself a... Um, an insecticidal soap spray and thoroughly coat and cover both the plant and the soil surface, um, that is going to be your best bet for not bringing any pests in. You can also take the time to transplant that plant by pulling it out of its existing pot, shaking out all of the soil from the root system, um, and putting it into some fresh soil and the fresh soil, assumably coming straight out of um, a bag of potting mix and then immediately bringing it in to the house or to wherever your protected area is. Uh, you really just want to try to hedge your bets against being able to bring any bugs in with you. That is no fun. So the other thing you need to do is set up your growing area. So um, if you're bringing in a, a plant that is already mature or almost mature because you may have started some late plants and these are the ones that you're bringing in to, to grow over the winter, um, then you want to make sure that the lighting conditions and the temperature conditions are conducive for what you want. And what do we want? Well, if you're growing, you're actively looking to grow indoors, you want to promote flowering so that we can promote fruit development, right? So specifically with um, the Solanaceae family, again, tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, um, you are going to want to have them in a fairly brightly lit area. Um, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, this is going to put you um, in a Southern window. If you're going to be doing this in a window, a Southern, a South facing window, um, obviously this is the opposite for you if you are in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, make sure it's not drafty in that area and that you can maintain an interior temperature of 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 Celsius or above. That is just to make sure that they continue to um, grow and they continue to photosynthesize. Um, flowering, however, you're going to need it to be a little bit warmer than that. Um, you want warmer temperatures somewhere around between 75 and 85 Fahrenheit um, or 24 to 29 Celsius. That's going to be the ideal temperature for them to flower and to also to promote um, the growth of the fruit and the ripening of the fruit. This is also uh, what also is going to be important is for you to fertilize since these are indoors in containers and you are actively trying to keep them growing. You're going to have to feed them probably every two weeks, uh, depending on the size of the pot. So keep that in mind as well. Now, if you are have these conditions set up and you've got a great window to put them in and you're good to go, great. 
Um, if you don't have a window that's going to work with this or you don't have the proper temperature, maybe you keep your house very cool, your best bet is going to be to find a room to be able to do this and get yourself some grow lights. Um, grow lights have come a long way. Um, you don't have to get some giant high pressure sodium bulb and, and heat up the room, you know, with that and, and, you know, kill your electric bill. Um, LED grow lights are fabulous, especially, um, when you're doing it for the short term, they are relatively inexpensive. Now you can find them online. Um, you can even find them in your local rowing centers. Um, but even if you don't even want to go so far as to buying a special set of lamps, you can also just use shop lights with four foot fluorescent lights. Are they going to do as great of a job as the LED? Probably not, only because the LED lights um, generally are going to mimic a little bit more of the broad spectrum of light that the plants need, um, the blues and the reds. Um, but the fluorescent lights will be fine. Uh, they'll do the job. You can also buy uh, grow lights that fit fluorescent fixtures that do have that spectrum of light. Um, so that might be a good use. And both the LED and the fluorescents don't have a tendency to give off as much heat. I mean, the LED lights, literally, there's just about no heat whatsoever. The fluorescent lamps do give off some heat. This can either be a benefit or a deterrent. Um, I like to use the fluorescent, the fluorescent lights because it actually helps to heat up my propagation room, the room that I start my seedlings in and the room that I overwinter my plants in um, for growing purposes is actually in our basement. And the basement, obviously, in the, in the wintertime in the Midwest is going to stay rather cool. Um, and so it has a door and I can close that door. And when the fluorescent lights are on, they actually generate a decent amount of heat depending on how many of them I have going at one time. So just make sure that you have a thermometer hanging in there somewhere so you know what the room temperature is overall. And then you also are going to want to have a thermometer that's closer down to where the plants are. Because again, if you're using fluorescent lamps, the temperature directly underneath those lights is going to be higher than the ambient temperature in the room. So even if your room you know, temperature is saying, oh, it's at 75 degrees, it's perfect, you get directly underneath uh, those fluorescent lights, it could be as much as 10 degrees warmer. So pay attention to that as well. And then of course, you're also going to have to have a water source um, as well. And if, you're, if your room temperature is not staying where it needs to be, a small space heater um, is a good idea. And also a fan. Um, it just, it helps with the air circulation. Just a little oscillating fan is fine. At this point, you're not working with seedlings. So you're really not worried about trying to keep them, you know, or strengthening that, that cuticle to make them to where they're strong. You should already have strong plants. These should only be strong, healthy plants that you're bringing in to actively grow over the winter time. So, um, but it does help with the air circulation. Um, and so a little fan, is a good idea and a space heater if you need um, to uh, to heat the room. I would also recommend too if you are using um, any type of grow lights that you also put them on a timer. You don't need to have them on um, 24 hours a day, but you also don't want to have to remember to go in and turn those lights on and turn those lights off. So set them for um, 12 hours a day or 16 hours a day. 16 hours is pretty much ideal as far as um, getting them to flower and, and um, getting the, the fruits to produce. So if you set it for, you know, on off 16 hours a day and just check to make sure that it's, you know, it's, it's going on when it's supposed to and going off when it's supposed to, then your plants are going to get a consistent amount of light and you're not going to forget and kind of mess up the cycle a little bit. This is another important point too, even if you are growing 
in a southern window. Um, your daylight hours are going to start reducing. Obviously, we're going to get to the point where we hit the Persephone period, where you've got less than 10 hours of daylight. The plant is not going to actively grow at that point unless you are going to provide some supplemental light. Now, this could be in the form of just your household. If you've got them in a south-facing window that happens to be in your living room, um, and then you're in that living room in the evening and the lights are on and everything else, okay, then yeah, your, your plant is still going to be getting enough hours of light, so long as you're in that room consistently. But just like with the lights that are going to be in a separate growing room, you may still want to have one additional lamp right there by the window that comes on and off of the timer so that you know for sure that that plant is getting enough light. So another thing to take into consideration with growing plants indoors over the winter is the absence of any way um, to pollinate those flowers. So once your plant starts flowering or continues to flower, um, you are probably going to need to hand pollinate. Now with tomatoes and any of the other, you know, Solanaceae, this is super easy. You literally can just tickle the flowers because they're mostly self-pollinating. So since you don't have the wind to do that for you, or you don't have any, hopefully don't have any insects crawling around on the plants, um, you can just, when you have the blooms, just literally walk along and just sort of tickle them a little bit, shake them up a little bit, tap the stems lightly, either one. If you really want to be sure, you can actually use a cotton swab and you can go into each flower to sort of help them along, but you more than likely are not even going to have to go that far. But you are going to have to do something just to make sure that your flowers get pollinated so you actually get some of those fruit. And the final thing to, to take into consideration when you're doing this indoors is if you are doing it in a, in a window, you are going to have to rotate your pots to make sure that each side of the plant gets um, adequate sun and you don't end up having them sort of leaning into um, that window. You also want the flower and the fruit production to be even as well. So uh, make sure that you're staking your plants. Um, even This accounts even if you're in a, in a grow room situation with lights. You want to stake the plants uh, to make sure that they're not toppling over, they're not breaking the limbs. This is actually a, a case when those um, tomato cages that you can get um, actually do come in handy. They might not be big enough for most people in their home gardens, but in an indoor plant situation, um, it's actually not a bad idea. They will actually um, give you some good support. And it'll also help you as far as pruning these plants, because especially if you're choosing an indeterminate variety, they're going to want to just continue to grow. So if you have sort of tweaked your conditions to where they have the ideal growing situation, well, they're going to have ideal growth. So they may start to very quickly outgrow the space that you have designated for them. So you can prune these plants, um, specifically if you're doing a tomato plant, but this is also the case for anything else in the same plant family. Um, just try to keep them at a reasonable size so that you have proper airflow and that it's not going, you know, out of control. Um, if you've got, you know, a cage around them and they start to kind of come out of the cage too much, you can just go ahead and cut the branch back a few inches just to get it to stop growing in that direction. Um, the, and this is going to help the plant put its energy into a different branch and into those flowers and growing those tomatoes. So even if you're not somebody who prunes your outdoor tomatoes, um, it's still a good idea to prune them when they're being grown indoors. So just kind of keep an eye on them and you can you know, just sort of fake your way through it and just kind of eyeball it. Um, just choose, you know, the any of the suckers or any of the 
the uh, branches that are growing outside of the cage that do not have flowers on them. Just go ahead and cut those back and keep the ones that do have the flowers on them to keep them in place. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, if you're one of these lucky gardeners who has a small or even not so small um, greenhouse in your backyard that you use for starting your seedlings and for bringing things in and out during periods of frost, you might be wondering why you can't just do this out into in your greenhouse. You can. Um, but keep in mind, depending on where it is that you live, you still very well may need to supplement both the lighting and the heat when it comes to actual production of these plants during the off season. Um, You're still going to get to the point where you're not going to have enough daylight hours for the plant to actively grow. And if you live in an area where you get frost, even if you've got a greenhouse, that greenhouse is still subject or the plants inside that greenhouse are still subject to frost. You'll have to be making sure that you're putting frost covers on. You very well may need to put a space heater in there. And it's just not a super efficient way to be able to keep these plants growing and producing. Now, if you were just looking at um, hibernating, basically, those plants over the winter, that might be a different story as far as putting them in there. And I will touch on that here in the next section when I talk about a different type of overwintering. But um, if you are determined to use um, a greenhouse or it's really the only space that you have, you're going to want to make sure that you have frost protection measures available to cover the plants when you have the threat of a frost or a hard freeze, that you have a way to heat that area um, in the time when you don't have full sun. Because if you have one of these greenhouses, you know, all it takes is a day of full sun and that greenhouse gets very easily to 100 degrees. But that heat is not going to necessarily hold all night long and you very well may dip down below freezing. So ideally, you know, peppers and, and tomatoes and eggplant really like to have those overnight temperatures around, you know, 60 degrees or so Fahrenheit. So you know, anything lower than that is going to stunt their growth a little bit. And if you're actively wanting to, you know, gather harvestable fruits off of these, you need that temperature warmer. So um, making sure that you have really good insulation in and around those plants, making sure that you have frost protection measures, you have additional lighting in order to be able to encourage them to continue to grow. And then yes, by all means, if you're willing to put all of those measures in place and you have a lot of space and you can move a lot of plants indoors, then by golly, go for it. Um, I actually have our unheated greenhouse. I have a raised bed in the center, and that is where we have grown a bunch of tomatoes this year, and they have been um, trellised, and and they're still loaded with tomatoes right now, and they are continuing to ripen. Um, but I do know that at some point I'm going to have to uh, employ some heating measures and some additional lighting as we start to lose daylight hours, and it's going to take a little bit more management on my part as far as making sure that doors and and, um, vents get opened during the day when it's really sunny. Even if it's in the 30s outside, that full sun hits, it can jump 85, 95, 100 degrees in there. 
so we don't want to overheat the plants. But then as soon as the sun goes away, the temperature will very, very quickly dip. So it takes a little bit more management um, on my part to keep those plants going. And at some point I may just decide, well, it's not worth the effort. It's not worth the yield that we're getting, whether it's for us or for sale. Um, and that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. So another way that we can overwinter our plants is by allowing them to go dormant and then to keep them in a dormant state while just keeping them alive and then transplanting them back out again in the spring. Now, I'll talk about bringing them back out in the spring, whether or not you um, are actively growing in the winter or you're just overwintering them to in a dormant state. Either way, towards the end of the episode, I'll talk about how to bring those back out and replant them. But right now, first, I want to talk about overwintering in a dormant state. So, you know, the plants that we're talking about that are in the Solanaceae family, I mean, they are technically, um, they, you might consider them a perennial or just a long-lived annual. We grow them as an annual here um, in, in the U.S. and anywhere that you get a frost because obviously they are frost killed. You may have heard of, a, I think it was a plant in Disneyland or Disney World that they had in a greenhouse. It was a tomato plant. And it was huge and it, and it grew all up and vined. And I mean, it just continued to grow and grow and grow. And it was doing all these great, you know, yields and everything else. I mean, that's, that's an example. It, it may not necessarily be perennial in this, in this, the say the sense that uh, it can't come back again once it has frost killed, um, but it can be very, very long lived. N knowing that means that we can also understand that that plant can go dormant so long as it doesn't get killed off by cold weather or extreme cold weather. So how can you bring in a plant and overwinter it, not actively growing it, um, but allowing it to um, go dormant and then just keeping it alive to put back outside? I have come across a, um, a fabulous technique, and this is a technique that I'm going to try and I'm going to experiment with, um, with several different varieties of things. And I will share that with you at the end because I'm going to have a little bit of a challenge for you. Um, but really, it's a technique that I've seen done mostly on peppers. And I might try it on tomatoes. But the idea of overwintering something in a dormant state is not new. I mean, we talked about that in the mum episode, how you can bring a plant in and let it go dormant and just make sure that you have it in a place where it's not going to get frozen. You give it a little bit of water when it's needed just to keep the plant alive. And then you bring it back out again the next season before it begins its new growth. But again, those are something, things that generally are considered um, hardy perennials. So for a long-lived annual, you really just want the plant to stop its growth. You don't want to encourage new growth. And you want to keep it uh, to where it is, is still taking up water so that the root ball doesn't dry out. The plant cell walls do not dry out. Um, and then keep it ready to go to be planted the next spring. So the technique that I'm going to try this year with peppers um, and with a few, maybe a few of the tomatoes, is called a slingshot prune. And the, the process itself is, is pretty much the same as how you would overwinter any other plant. I'm going to describe that for you. And then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the pruning method. So 
generally speaking, you know, when you're talking about overwintering, you're just bringing an outdoor plant in, you're keeping it alive during the winter months. Um, and then getting it ready basically to hibernate and then bring it back out again, you're going to force it into a dormant state so that it's not growing any new foliage throughout the winter. Again, why would you want to do this? Well, it's for the same reason that you would overwinter um, an actively growing plant. Either it's one that you really liked, it had really good disease resistance, or it had a really high yield. Um, any number of these, these reasons why you would actually want to keep this particular plant and not just take cuttings off of it um, or not just save the seeds. You also may be looking at trying to get quicker growth in the spring. You know, overwintered plants are often going to rebound very quickly once the temperatures start to rise. And so, you know, that established root system is going to kick right back into gear again, and the plants are going to start leafing out again and actively growing. So you're starting with a bigger, healthier plant. That early spring growth may result in you getting a much larger yield during the season. Um, you know, if you have faster growth and you have more branches and you have more foliage earlier on, ideally this is going to lead to more blooms, which is going to lead to more fruit. Again, with this method, you certainly want to make sure that you are watching out for pests. Um, we don't want to bring any of those in for sure. Um, and this is going to take a little bit of extra effort, um, but I think it's kind of a, 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 cool, a cool way to get a jump on the season and also keep your favorite plants. So the first thing that you're going to want to do with this is um, if it's not a plant that is already in a container, you want to get your containers ready. Make sure that you have um, the proper potting soil and you've got the potting soil well hydrated. And then you're going to choose the plant that you want to bring inside. We're going to talk about specifically about peppers um, and how to prune them back. If you picture in your head a slingshot and you have that why. You actually are going to prune this pepper plant basically back all the way down to that first Y. Now, you can leave a few extra branches on there. That's fine. If it scares you to cut so much off of a plant, I get it. <laughs> I'm actually going to try this a couple of different ways. Um, but you basically just want to get down to where you've got one main stem and a couple of branches off of it, and that's it. You want to just make sure that there are several nodes um, so those bumps where a new, uh, where new growth would occur along the stem and along those branches, you just want to make sure that there are plenty of those left intact. Um, as long as there are a few of those nodes, the plant's going to be able to regrow. It's going to sprout new branches. It's going to sprout new leaves. Speaking of leaves, you want to make sure all of the leaves are completely stripped off of this plant. I know it's going to hurt, <laughs> but you are, you are leaving this plant completely bare. We don't want it to regrow any of these leaves. We don't want it to be a place where insects can hide, number one. But we also um, don't need it to try to actively grow while we are overwintering it. So as long as you've got a really good root system and the stem is nice and green and alive, then it can regrow later from each one of those nodes that we are leaving on the plant. So now here's where, again, you're going to try to make sure that you don't have any pests. You want to either pull that plant out of its pot um, or dig it up from out of the ground, and you want to get all the soil out of the root ball. Use a hose to spray any remaining soil from the roots. You literally are just going to want to have the stem and the root ball with very, very little soil left remaining. This is going to be the, the best way to avoid any of those soiled 
bound or soil bred um, pests, specifically fungus gnats. If you've ever had fungus gnats in a plant in the house, it is the most frustrating thing and it is so hard to get rid of them. So I, I definitely do not recommend skipping this step. Um, the next thing to do also, once you've got all that soil out, out of there is to go ahead and trim the roots too, with some scissors or some pruning shears, um, uh, down to about whatever size pot it is that you are going to keep. Now, here's the bonus to um, doing this version versus trying to bring in a plant and actively growing it throughout the season. You can get this down to a fairly small pot size. So even if you have a really big pepper plant out in your garden, um, you're going to trim those roots back. And as long as you have a nice root ball that can fit into maybe a half gallon pot or even smaller, um, it's going to be fine. And you, so you can actually save more of these plants in a much smaller space than you would if you were trying to bring in these fully actively growing plants. So um, just, you know, trim it back a little bit, make sure they're sort of loosened up. Um, you don't want them completely tangled in a mass. Um, and then here too, you can also kind of hedge your bets against um, pests by um, using some neem oil um, or an insecticidal soap or something and um, just kind of dunking the roots in. Um, the recommendation is three gallons of water and a tablespoon of neem oil and a tablespoon of Castile soap. And remember we talked about Castile soap versus like Dawn dish soap or anything like that. You don't want to use anything that has a surfactant in it. You want pure soap, so a Castile soap. And just mix that all together and then dunk your plants, dunk in the roots, dunk in the, the, the stem and the stalks, and that should hopefully take care of any of the little buggies that are going to want to try to come into the house with you. Um, once you've got that done, then go ahead and repot your plant um, just the same way that you would... Um, if you were transplanting it uh, at any other time, you want to make sure that um, it's it's in a pot that is big enough for whatever size root system you have chosen to leave um, and add fresh soil around the roots and just, you know, lightly tamp it in, compress it lightly, and then top it off with a little bit more um, soil at the top and you're good to go. Now, the location for these plants is going to be key. Um, you want a little bit of light, just a little bit of ambient light. Um, any kind of a window is fine. So if you have it in a garage or in a shed or a, a basement or a mudroom, um, that's fine. If it just gets a little bit of light, we're not, we're not worried about the length, the day length. We're not worried about it, making sure that it gets 12 or 13 or 18 hours of light. Just some ambient light is fine, but the temperature is what is critical here. You want these plants to go dormant, so you want them below their optimum um, temperature for growth. So between 50 and 65 degrees Fahrenheit, or 13, uh, I guess what, 10 to 18 Celsius, um, is good. Um, you don't want it much warmer than that because that's going to make them want to try to grow. You don't want it much much colder than that because that may damage um, the root system. And that can also actually stress the plant out too. So um, just make sure that you're checking fairly frequently to make sure that it's, you know, a consistent um, temperature. Now, that's really all you have to do. You just leave it there. Um, as it kind of adjusts to its new conditions, it might try to produce some branch 
branches or some leaves. Just keep them trimmed back um, so it doesn't try to actively grow too much. Uh, the cooler you keep those temperatures, the less likely it is that the plant is going to try to grow. Um, side note, there is always a risk that this plant may not survive this process. Uh, it's it's a very um, stressful, traumatic experience for the plant. But if it was a healthy plant to begin with, and it was one of your best producers, which is likely the reason why you're trying to save it for the next season, it more than likely is going to be able to handle this. And that's why I say, you know, even though that this technique that I found is specific to pepper plants, I have no doubt that I could do this with a tomato plant and with uh, an eggplant. Now, in this instance, I'm going to say do not fertilize this plant at all over the season. Over the, over the winter, um, you're not actively trying to get it to grow, so you don't want to give it any nutrients. You, If you have a potting soil that already has some nutrient content in it, that's fine. It's going to keep you know the plant from dying, um, but we don't want too much, so we don't want it to actually grow. It's going to use a lot less water also, so you likely are not going to have to water but every few weeks or so. Um, you know, if you're doing this with much smaller pots, like I say, half gallon pot or so, um, you'll have to water them a little bit more frequently. It's not going to use a whole lot. It might be every two weeks. Um, you don't want it sopping wet. So just check the soil first before you add any water. You know, you don't want it sitting in the water because that can promote root rot. Now, as far as the lighting is concerned, like I said, ambient light is fine. You really only need a couple of hours a day. If you're having to do this someplace where it's dark um, or you have too many plants and not all of them can be in the light that's coming from the window or whatever, just get a, a little small grow light and put it on a timer and literally two to three days or two to three days, no, two to three hours a day um, should be enough. And then hopefully um, you can have those plants survive the winter and they will be ready in the spring to be brought back outside and take off and begin producing for you again. So how do we bring those plants back outside in the spring without killing them off in the process? Because that would be really disappointing to spend all this time and energy taking these plants in and prepping them and then bringing them out and killing them off because we didn't do it the right way. Same thing goes for those plants that you might be actively growing through the winter time. Uh, the outdoor temperatures and the outdoor conditions are not going to be as ideal as you have kept them in their perfectly controlled area. So how do you do this? I'd like to thank my patrons over on Patreon for supporting this and every episode of this podcast. Patrons of this show get access to exclusive content on the Patreon page, bonus hotshot episodes, monthly live Q&A sessions with me, Just Grow Something merchandise, and more. But above all, they get my undying gratitude for helping make this podcast possible and helping me reach for bigger goals like stipends for guests, improved software and equipment, bonus content, and more. If you'd like to support the show by becoming a patron and also receive my undying gratitude, head over to patreon.com slash just grow something or use the link in the show notes. Now, if you've been actively growing plants over the winter and harvesting off of them, um, which yay, fabulous. Um, but now it's time for them to move back outside in the spring. The process is basically the same as if you are hardening off brand new seedlings. 
And you'll likely be doing this around the same time that you're hardening those seedlings off. So whenever it's time for you to start moving your tomatoes or your peppers outside, um, then go ahead and do that with the plants that you have been growing over the winter. Do the same thing. Expose them very gradually to the sunlight, um, expose them gradually to the conditions that are outside, generally starting with about one hour a day, um, starting out either in dappled shade um, or an indirect sun, and then bringing them back in again, and then you know double that up and do a couple of hours the next day, then maybe three hours the day after that, just gradually letting them get used to the different temperatures outside, the different lighting conditions outside, and then also any of the, um, the wind and other environmental factors. That should be enough to be able to get them up to speed and hardened off and ready to go into either another pot or back into the ground again, depending on uh, where they came from and what your garden plan is for the season. Um, if you feel like you might want to trim them back a little bit before doing this, that's fine. It makes the transition a little bit easier for them, just the same way as if you know trimming them before bringing them in is going to be helpful. Trimming them before putting them out may be helpful too because it gives them the chance to reestablish those roots into whatever pot or ground space you put them in and allows them to focus that energy on getting themselves situated in that new position in that new soil, and then focusing on uh, flower and fruit production. Now, if you are bringing out overwintered plants that were in a dormant state, it's going to be a little bit different, and it's actually going to be a little bit easier. As long as you haven't allowed them to grow any foliage before putting them outside, um, you're not going to have to worry about direct ex uh, exposure to sunlight harming anything because there's no foliage for it to harm. So really, you're just going to take a couple of days to get that, uh, that stem sort of used to the new conditions, and then you can go ahead and put them out there because any new foliage that grows is immediately going to be exposed to the sunlight. So it's going to be hardy in that direct sun. Now, if you downsized your plant when you brought it in to go dormant, meaning it was a really big plant that you had out in the garden um, and you cut those roots back and you cut those leaves and the, and the branches back heavily and potted it up in something that was only, you know, a half gallon to a gallon, much um, smaller than what it was previously. Or if you were growing in a container outdoors and you did the same thing, you trimmed it back and you got it down to a smaller container, you can transplant those plants up into a larger container a few weeks before moving them back outside, specifically if you are going to be growing them in containers anyway. So if you generally are growing your peppers or your tomatoes in five gallon buckets outside and you've got your plants now in like a half gallon size, you can go ahead and pot them up. It's going to stimulate the roots and get them situated again, although be aware that this might get them to want to start growing their leaves as well. So if they do and you don't want to take those off because you don't want to stunt their growth, then just make sure that you transition those plants out by hardening them off the same way that you would um, your seedlings because now you have green growth on there, you have foliage that's going to be exposed to that sunlight and you do not want them to be damaged. So just know that if you transplant them up into larger containers and they start to get that green growth, you do need to harden them off. 
one more thing to note with hardening them off as well is um, if you're moving the plants into the ground, make sure that you're hardening them off in the location where you're going to plant them. So if you're putting them in a raised bed or you're putting them in an in-ground garden space, um, make sure that you're taking them out to that space for an hour and then two hours and then three hours a day. Um, you don't want to harden them off on your back porch where it's only getting like dappled light. And then suddenly after the week go, oh, okay, they're ready to go and throw them out in a, in a patch that gets like 12 hours of sun a day. That's just, that's going to kill them off either way. So make sure that you're, you're hardening them off um, in a space uh, that you're actually going to keep them in. The same thing goes if you're doing them in containers. You know, if you're going to put them further out away from the house, um, you want to uh, harden them off there as well. So here is my challenge to you. I am going to do multiple versions of, of what we talked about today. I'm going to try to overwinter some plants specifically for growing indoors. Now, these are going to be my smaller pepper plants. I think I'm going to grab um, one of my sweet snacker peppers and bring that one in, um, maybe two of those. Um, and I might try it with either a jalapeno or one of my sweet bull's horn peppers. Those are going to have to be significantly trimmed back. The, uh, the sweet snacker peppers got in late this season. And so they're a much more manageable size right now to go into some pots, but my jalapenos and my bull's horn peppers are huge. And so this will definitely be an experiment with those trimming them back and repotting them, uh, because they are in, in ground spaces, they're in, uh, raised beds. Um, and so putting them into pots and then bringing them downstairs into my seedling room, which is not actually recommended in most instances because you, because of the, the possibility of bringing pests inside, you generally don't want to overwinter plants for growth throughout the winter in the same area that uh, you're starting your seedlings, because if you do bring some pests in, they can get all over your new seedlings. But I'm going to be very vigilant as far as making sure that I spray them down and there aren't any pests that are being brought in. Or I might try to see if I can put them in a different spot. I haven't decided yet. But in any case, I'm going to actively try to have some that are producing over the winter. But then I'm also going to do um, some that will be overwintered in a dormant state like I have done before, which has been to bring them in and trim them back. But I have never trimmed them back as heavily as we just talked about with that slingshot method. So I'm going to try some of those too and see which ones I get the better production or growth out of or survivability rate um, coming up on the spring. So I'm going to choose the different varieties and the different methods by which I'm going to do this. And I'm going to document all of this as we go. So I'll take pictures and take notes when I'm actually bringing them in and downsizing them and getting them set up in their overwintering areas. And um, I will post in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group as we go. So I'll put a post out when I first start and then we'll kind of check in as we go. My challenge to you is if you are also thinking about doing this, then do this right alongside me. Um, document which varieties you bring in which specimens, you know, whether it's a tomato or a pepper or, a, you know, an eggplant or whatever you decide to bring in, the method by which you're going to do it, jump in the Facebook group and let us all know when it is that you bring yours in and how you're doing it. And then we'll just check in with each other 
throughout the off season um, to see how it's going, whether or not they're surviving, whether or not we're having to prune them back. Are you watering? How often are you having to water? All those types of things so we can all kind of work together to, uh, to see what the best method is and we can answer each other's questions for each other. So my challenge to you is to get into that Facebook group, show me what you're overwintering, how you're overwintering it, and I will do the same. So, and if you want to, if you're not planning on overwintering anything, but you still want to see what's going on, well, then by golly, you can jump in the Facebook group and do that too. So this was a long episode, I know, but there was a lot of information to cover. That combined with the fact that I'm going to take a break from doing regular Friday episodes. Um, we'll be starting a new season come February. And I know, right? We'll have been doing this like a whole year come February. And that I know February sounds like it's a far way off, but we're already at the end of October. So, um, but I'm going to be changing up the, the way that we do things a little bit as far as the weekly episodes are concerned. So for right now, I'm going to take Fridays off as I'm working on some other great things for next season. And uh, so I don't mind this, this uh, episode being a little bit longer. We've got a lot more information to cover over the next few weeks with regards to the end of the season and what we're doing. Plus, I've had um, requests for specific types of episodes coming out of the Facebook group and also in my email. And feel free to send me an email or send me a request um, if there is a particular topic that you want to hear about. So um, go figure out what plants you want to overwinter and jump in the Facebook group and let me know. Oh, and for my friend, my gardening friends in Utah and Wyoming, I see you. Bless your heart. I've already seen that you have snow. Ugh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. But uh, keep on listening because all of this stuff can uh, can also be applied to next season. So have a great week in the garden, my friends, and I will talk to you again next week. You've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Don't forget to download the episode after you've listened, rate and review us in your podcast player if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Just Grow Something Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.